0: Hello, welcome to NG Meets. it's episode 22, and this week's guest is Nicola Monaghan. For those that don't know, Nicola is the award-winning writer of the brilliant novel The Killing Jar, which she joined us to have a good chat about. It's a fantastic novel uh, about a sort of deprived estate in Nottinghamshire. That was a brilliant and acclaimed novel that is massively well worth checking out. We also had a chat about her new novel Dead Flowers, which is a uh, a crime thriller also set in Nottingham, and that was great to chat about. That's out this year, it's, I think it's already available on ebook. And there's a launch now at Five Leaves coming up on the 9th of December. Uh, check out Five Leaves' Facebook page to see if there's any spots available at like that. We also had a chat about various other things, including uh, what inspired Nicola to get writing, uh, what she's working on at the moment. We also had a chat about. Uh, the, the sort of changing face of television and what that might mean for the possibility of a killing jar TV series. Uh, we also, there was a number of names that cropped up in this episode that have been previous guests on NG meets, uh, that you might want to check out previous episodes for. They include, uh, Henry normal. You may know as the co-writer of the Royal family, as well as various Steve Co- Coogan projects. And also obviously, uh, founder of the nottingham poetry festival and he was the very first guest on ng meets and you can check that one out there was also uh, georgina wilding who of course was the nottingham uh, youth poet laureate and he's the current director of the poetry festival who was a guest on this show but we also talked about the unesco city of literature and we've had uh, both sandeep mahal the director of the group and uh, One of the members, Matt Turpin. They've both been on the show in previous episodes. So plenty there to check out if you'd like to hear more of our literary literary guests. Of course, last week's guest was uh, fellow author Mike Brooks. Apologies. Uh, If you haven't heard that one yet, check that one out. Of course, all of these episodes are available at ngdigital.podbean.com or iTunes or whatever podcasting app you use. I'll be back at the end of the show for a round up and to let you know who the next guest is. But for now, this is NG Meets Nicola Monahan. today with Nicola Monaghan who is a uh, local author, short filmmaker as well I think as well as other things you know a lecturer and oh yeah (laughs) yeah. keep yourself busy (laughs) of course um but thank you first of all for joining us
1: no problem no
0: we've been it's a we've been trying to pencil this in for quite a while we've really
1: struggled haven't we 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 finally found a date so
0: yeah weirdly after trying to plan it as well so like so often it came around and it was like we only think we only bought this one like two days ago. I know that
1: was <laughs> <laughs> It was
0: just finally sort of planets finally aligned. Yeah, 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 and, uh, exactly.
1: Yeah, it's
0: great to have you in. Thank you. Uh, but, so Good I want to wanna... be here. thank you. Um, I Thought we'd start by talking about your recent novel. So we'll okay. sort of start and work our way, maybe work our way back yeah. as a, in that way, um, which is Dead Flowers. That's believe, right. Yeah. Which is just not worse about a couple of months now?
1: It was, um, the ebook came out in September, so yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah, excellent. And uh, it's, it's a, that one's a crime yeah, novel, that's right. which, is it your first? Well, um...
1: yes and no. I mean, when I wrote my very first novel, my plan for it was to be a crime novel, but when I sent it to an agent, he kind of said, well, yeah, we could sell it as crime, but I don't feel like that's quite right. I think it's actually more, of a literary novel that has crime themes. So he sold it as a literary novel. I think my work tends to be on that boundary of what you might call literary fiction and what you might call crime fiction. Um, so, it, you know, it veers over in each direction. But this is the first one that's kind of, I say, pure crime that's been published in that way. So, yeah.
0: Excellent. And that's obviously, it's that's a popular um, area yeah. of, of novel. But it's also, in, in the same sense, makes it a very competitive area. There's a lot of crime novels oh, and yeah. that. So how do you go about sort of making your book something different because it needs to, obviously, you want to, to appeal to the readers?
1: Yeah, no, that was really important to me. I've always felt that, um, you know, it, it sort of, I love crime. I read the genre. I think it's a really broad church, and so you do get a real variety of stuff—from really kind of high concept thrillers like James Patterson's type stuff, right to sort of quite complex, really you know more or less literary books like Tana French's. And I'm, I'm somewhere at that end, the Tana French end, I think, of, of the equation. Um, I guess you know, the way that you always distinguish your book is by trying to make the characters different from what anyone's seen before. So I've got quite a flawed character, she's got you know, she's got she's got loads of problems, um but she's also quite likable, I think, and she she carries the book. I think she's really important to the story, and she's a DNA analyst. But she she was in the police, so okay. she's got this background where she was in the police, and um and so I've got this, you know, I've got quite a big backstory of hers, and also the mystery that happens. That you you know, it's not really a spoiler because it's on on the jacket. But she finds a body, and um and that there's a connection between that the the, the body that she's found in her own life, which is. You know, that was quite important to me, I think, as well, just to try and make it quite an emotional story.
0: Yeah. And obviously, you uh, say the character is a DNA list yes. which is quite, because I think the book's set in Nottingham. yeah. Right, sort of yeah. around the centre. Yeah, like that's Broad right. Broadmarsh. Yeah,
1: exactly. Just at the back of Broadmarsh, right. what used to be Narrow marsh. Yes, yeah. yeah,
0: which is quite well, quite a notorious yeah, place it was if you yeah. look back, you know, any reading back through history. Oh, god, yeah, no, that's one on of so. the things that
1: attracted me really. Yeah. I'm fascinated by the history of that area. I mean, obviously, it was massive slums, and then the bit where I've set the book it's kind of a little crescent of council houses uh, or ex council as they would be now, but um, it was one of the first lots, one of the some of the first council houses to be built in the city, so I'm quite interested by that. And there's a couple of pubs there, both closed down. Um, and I was just this one, the the one that I picked, has still got all the pub signs and everything on it and I still keep thinking maybe it'll open as a pub one day soon, but it hasn't. But yeah.
0: Excellent. Is that which It's the is Loggerheads. It? Loggerheads, yeah. Yeah. So I know there's one of the pubs down there. They just found a I think they found it's a pub the loggerheads. Was it the Loggerheads? Yeah, I knew it was one of them yeah, down there. No, they, it was yeah, quite... yeah, yeah, you said it was a great great live music venue. Yeah, that's right, but it really, really was. Probably going back ten years now, They had maybe. some dance
1: music nights and things like that as well. It was really interesting. Yeah. And obviously they had a cave at the back and a yes. skittle alley and all sorts of really unusual things, which is one of the other things I really liked about it. But, um it That was interesting because the day that my book came out, I thought, oh, I need some pictures of the loggerheads for my blog. So I went down, took loads of pictures of the loggerheads, posted them online. A few days later, the news comes out yeah. that there was actually a cannabis factory in the pub, which, you know, here's me taking all these photos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Could have had some interesting questions. Yeah, I suppose. exactly. <laughs> Obviously, another, int- with the DNA side of it as well, of course, is... It's only sort of down the road, Leicester, where the whole DNA... That's right, yeah. Um, I guess skill, I don't know if that's the best... Science, the DNA science yeah, was sort of right. um, established and developed. Um, I can't remember, but there was a TV show a couple of years back based around that's the whole... That's
1: right,
0: there was, yeah, yeah. The, the murder and the things that led to that. Um, but obviously, having a character that's a DNA analyst... DNA analyst... How much work goes into the research side of that because I imagine you you know you you want to you don't want anything that's going to stop the story yeah but at the same time it's got to be real enough that people aren't going to be picking it apart
1: absolutely I mean getting the science as accurate as possible was really important to me because I'm, I know I'm a bit of a geek about these things, and I, I did science A-levels, I did a master's degree, so, you know, that's my background, and when I read stuff in, like, Dan Brown's The Lost Symbol was really frustrating, because the answer was, sorry, spoiler alert, but the answer was two, and the, that was really obvious from about ten pages in, and in fact, okay. it upset my husband more than me, because when he was reading it, he was just shouting two at the book, and, I, and it was only when I read it later that I realised why, but, um, yeah, and I hate that kind of thing, I think... You know it feels like sloppy research when when something like that happens in a book so it was really important to me to try and get that as accurate as possible so i've done all sorts of things you know um i met with a dna um a dna scientist at nottingham university and i looked at lots of youtube videos of people actually creating dna profiles so that i actually saw exactly what they did and downloaded manuals from forensic science courses where it took you through every stage yeah. of how to process DNA so I just you know and actually I had to cheat a little bit to even include that because obviously that although they teach people that at university a lot of the way that they actually analyze DNA is much more computerized now they literally just use a a microchip that tells them certain markers on the DNA but because I put my character in a certain situation where she couldn't really go through official channels it meant that I could show the whole process of that creating that genetic profile.
0: Excellent I quite like that 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 you've use your story to tell it in a in a different way yeah and be able to you know delve a bit more into it yeah obviously DNA because it's it's become a bit of a you know when you watch it on a lot of TV shows especially the sort of American cop shows it's this thing where they go DNA and then half an hour later they're smashing (laughs) someone's door down which you know everyone who's actually you know followed and proper investigation or paid any attention to sort of DNA and knows that it's not actually no it don't work like that I mean, no I've, I don't know how much it's improved but it, it you know it used to be quite a long it's like, a long way process. even
1: now because it goes to a commercial lab and it has to get into a queue now in, you know if you were to do it just back to front you could probably get a DNA Profile the kind of stuff that the police use and that the police have in their database. You could probably get that in sort of like 12 to 16 hours, but that's like literally the minimum. So, yeah, you know, it it is really, really unrealistic. And actually, what tends to happen is they're waiting quite a long time for DNA. And
0: and even then, it's generally fractured samples, broken samples. It's not like a show where the put a dna thing in and this face will yeah, sort of like yeah. slowly appear on the screen <laughs> yeah. or, or a name will flash up
1: Is that all the 3d projections there's one show in particular isn't it that has that kind of thing and it's like yeah right <laughs>
0: <laughs> but i guess that you know it's a balance and i'm i'm sure not not to that degree but there's an element even in when you're putting your book together that as much as you want to keep the science there you've got to still be able to tell a story that exactly. moves forward. Yeah. Um, I've spoken to other authors in different areas and they've said they've had elements where certain certain times they have had to cheat a little bit or yeah. adapt things a little bit because... Otherwise, your your story just becomes a scientific manual or bogged down.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's the same with the police procedures and stuff. So I've got a friend who's a police officer and who's also a crime writer. And there's a bunch of us and she was she's like our police consultant. almost. she's great. But like one of the things she always says when any any of us ask her a question about the procedure, she's like, this is how it would work in real life. But at the end of the day, what suits your story? And if you want to twist how we do it to suit your story, if you've got an element of what really happens as part of it, that'll still feel believable. So that's, yeah. I think that's how, I think it's, you know, creating something that feels believable, even if you don't get absolutely everything right.
0: Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, people, you know, people want to be in stories about entertaining someone, yeah. but what you but not putting it in a way that makes them stop and go, that doesn't seem right, Yeah,
1: yeah which exactly. people
0: will. And I mean, I've heard people say, you know, even sort of on science shows where they have said, the same thing, the science should never get in the way of the yeah. story because ultimately. Yeah. But at the same time, you as I say, you don't want you don't want anything that's going to pull people away from the story because it seems too far fetched, or just makes them oh, yeah, badly yeah. researched. I think, or I think
1: what I've seen in a lot of books is the the investigating officer ringing up the DNA people and saying, "I need I need you to rush this through <laughs> so that they get it in forty eight hours," and that feels it's not. It's actually not what would happen, but it feels much more realistic than, than what we kind of, you know, than, it, than than those programs where they, you know, put the DNA on yeah. a slide and put it in a machine and you see the person <laughs> in front yeah. of you. Yeah, it,
0: it establishes that there is a way that this is meant to be. Yeah. Meant to be done.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Excellent. So, um, you you've talked a little bit about the character, and obviously we don't want to give too much away, but sort of, what's the what can you sort of say about the the story as it is without without giving too much it. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah so um well Sean, she's in her mid 40s and she inherits a pub building from her uncle the loggerheads building obviously an imaginary version of the loggerheads and um she's been living there like a day she's been moved in 24 hours and she's been for a drink with a boyfriend at the pub and she comes at another pub um a pitch from piano in fact oh, which yeah. is just up on the top of the cliff from there and she walks home and walks into the house and she's got a dog and her dog's a retired police dog and the dog's been scratching at the cellar door and been trying to get down there so eventually she she decides as she gets in oh come on let's go and have a look and it's only when she gets down there that she realises and remembers that actually elvis is elvis is the name of her dog um that his job in the police force was he was a cadaver dog so he used to find dead bodies and so you know i think you can probably guess what happens next
0: Excellent, and you said the the um, the ebook version's been out a couple of months now. That's right, yeah. And uh, we've been getting sort of people contacting you saying how much they're enjoying it. And I have
1: on. no, it's gone really well. I've had loads of lovely reviews. We did a blog tour, so it was reviewed and talked about in quite a few places. And and then there's been sort of reviews on Amazon, and I've had a few emails, and people join my mailing list, so it's been quite exciting, yeah.
0: Excellent, and obviously that because I'm. Um, I was, I was, Again, talking to us before about you know you once you've written that and got it out there, then because obviously as, a, as an author, a lot of you know building your book is is your control, making it how you want, telling the story you want. But then once you've handed that over and you've done the edits, then then you lose that control of it, and yeah. I guess that I guess <laughs> that's kind of terrifying and exciting in equal yeah, measure. Yeah,
1: no, it can be quite a scary moment and, I, and I've had books that have gone out into the world and had a great reception and others that haven't and and it can be really really kind of disappointing when they don't but you know so far so good with this one.
0: Excellent um, I guess talking about books that received a good reception takes us all the way back to the first yes. novel which obviously I imagine a lot of people listening to this will be familiar with which was The Killing Jar Yeah, yeah.
1: Um,
0: which I guess, as debut novels, go, couldn't have gone any better.
1: Oh, it was ideal, really, because it wasn't sort of ridiculous. I didn't get like a million pounds for it and have all these expectations to live up to. But it did do really well. It sold well. It got great reviews. It won a few prizes. Um, you know, it was in, in many ways a dream start, really, because it was, it was out there doing well, but not, but not so ridiculously well that it was frightening to write the next one. You see what I mean.
0: yeah so you didn't feel that weight of it when no, you are no yeah. exactly yeah. and obviously that's that's another book again that was set in in nottinghamshire yes and yeah. i think on sort of on on the estate you grew up on or based right. on the estate, yeah so you, the broxeter estate yeah. yeah
1: which is i didn't live there my whole childhood but i was there for a few years yes
0: so. which i mean if a lot of people will know that particularly probably in the sort of 90s time had a very negative reputation yes. um it's safe to say it was you know one of the, one of those areas around town there's obviously there's a few of them that was when people talked about i mean there was a time obviously when nottingham as a whole had a bad reputation yeah, you yeah, know the yeah. press were calling it shottingham and yes. things like that and obviously we had the um, the killing after the goose fair yeah,
1: yeah, but yeah it
0: was one of those places that was kind of put forward as an example of why nottingham was this Bad place.
1: Yeah. Well it's very deprived I think and and it was when I was there when I was little, but there was a sense of community when I was little. I think a lot of people had moved there from um what was St Anne's, um, where my mum and dad had had, my mum my mum grew up there and her her mum was moved to Roxton, so it was her grandma and you know, and it was that slum clearance thing. So a lot of people came from that and kind of knew each other or got to know each other quite quickly and there was quite a community feeling when I was little there but it did sort of seem to get more and more deprived and more and more sort of kind of rough I suppose is is the word I'd use or I would have used and I think um, I think I, I lived on Brockster Lane until until about six months ago so not far from the estate at all and I think you know things have changed and it's much nicer place to be than, than it was when i was a teenager but and one of the things that inspired me to write the book i mean you know it's sad really but there's a lot of um joyriding on the estate and or there was and actually um, there was one point where my mum and dad were living on Asby Lane, and we had we had a car stolen from outside the house, which was you know commonplace on Asby Lane at the time. Joyriders would steal your car, and that happened. And my my uncle came um, to help my dad out to try and give him a lift, so they could go and look for the car. And parked outside, walked to the house. And by the time my dad and my uncle got back to my uncle's car, that was gone as well. Uh-huh. And that's what it was like at one point in in sort of Aspley was on the borders of that. So it wasn't quite so bad in Aspley, but a lot of cars would go missing. And, you know, it was there was lots of problems, you know, lots of bored teenagers, lots of. And, and I, you know, I, I just I wanted to write about that. And I wanted to because I think people see teenagers in a hoodie or they see, I don't know, I mean, homeless people on the street or, you know, and they, they kind of get this. They have lots of preconception about preconceptions about who those people are and what they're like and so I wanted to kind of break that apart a little bit by having somebody who really is clearly very bright who really has this you know rich interior life and but who is living this really chaotic existence because my experience of people in those situations living those chaotic lives is they often are like they often are that kind of person and a lot of the assumptions that people have about them are, are wrong you know so I just wanted to sort of humanize the situation really that was that was what was behind writing
0: it. Yeah, and I think it definitely does. That. I mean, I I only read it probably a couple of years ago now, yeah. and it, I think one of the one of the really good things about it, as you say, was it was about a lot of it was about you know that it's the circumstances, yeah. The people, as you say, the people around you. The the main character, like, is clearly very bright, and even um, you know again I don't want to give too much away, but even when she's in the world she's in. Yeah. because she's so bright she becomes very good at yeah yeah, in yeah that no, world. that's
1: right that's right um, but yeah. but
0: it, a lot of it is you know things certain situations happen and that leads to the next situation exactly. and it also shows that how one when you're if you're in if you are stuck in that environment and get pulled into that environment how it how it can how it can barrel, I don't know, they, you know, roll along and become and just keep going yeah, and going yeah. and before you know it, when you might think, well, I'll just dip my toe in or I'll just deal with it to deal with this situation. Exactly. Once you're in, something you're in. happens, There's yeah. you no know, because... and But it, as you say, it doesn't try and glamorise it in any way. No. It doesn't try and... I don't think it tries... It doesn't demonise
1: the no. characters
0: in any in any... You know, there's no... Which often you get, there's no... Sort of evil Godfather type character. No, there are just people, many of whom are flawed, some of whom are unpleasant. Yeah, you know. But again, a lot of them, there. You know, there's a sort of look at why and what led them to be unpleasant. Yeah. Again, you know, family relationships, the, the environment, something getting caught up in something. And I yeah. think, and that's, I think, what gets. I think it's a, a great look at what can happen. You know, yeah. for en- anyone. And how much of a role? And I think something that may be starting to get talked about a little bit now, we're get, maybe getting away, not so much in the mainstream media, but more t- people talking about um, the role that s- the environment and society can play instead of this sort of, just this idea that of good and bad, which yeah, I think we've had. Yeah. The drug, you know, the drugs war was always, basically, or drug. Druggies are bad. Yeah, bad. yeah, yeah.
1: Really but, simplistic. Yeah,
0: but the role poverty plays in it, the whole yeah. repol- repol- lack of resources. I mean, one of the key things on estates like that through the 90s was the disappearance of anything else to do. Yeah,
1: that's You know, right. the youth
0: clubs went or All became, gone. even the ones that stayed, I remember, you know, I grew up in Stapleford and it was like a youth club, but it became sort of underfunded and not looked mm-hmm. after. And it ended up just being a, a place gang people hung out at effectively and like I say people get bored and just sit on a park drinking and
1: yeah
0: and then it leads from there
1: it does exactly and I think also you know one of the things that I read after I'd wrote The Killing Jar actually didn't it wasn't on my mind when I wrote it but I read it afterwards is that actually in terms of kind of The kind of the ways that you can get rich as an individual. If you come from that kind of background where you live on that kind of estate, you're more likely to get rich by going into drug dealing than you are by trying to follow the normal educational paths. Which you know, it's a calculated risk that some people take.
0: Yes, I mean, and like you know, ultimately for the vast part of them, it's it ends up one of two ways. Yeah. Sadly, they end up either locked up or dead yeah exactly Often, you know and but you'll you know if you've ever seen sort of anything where they speak to these people they they fully aware that it's a short yeah they're yeah. probably gonna but then like you say well they've gotten if you've got nothing <clears throat> excuse me and you don't see and there's not any hope offered to people yeah you know for a long time like i say, they were demonized and the uh, the opportunities weren't there the school continues to get the funding cut well, if you don't offer anyone hope,
1: well, that's it. Then the well, risk then, yeah. suddenly seems a lot less of yeah. a risk. If you, you know, if that's your chance to get rich, then you, 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 might take it.
0: Yeah, I think we've seen bits of that in terms of, you know, people, the desperation of people. Now, well, you know, we've seen people resorting to, to stealing, um, products, baby care products yeah. and things like that. They're not doing that for the thrill of stealing. Yeah.
1: No, they're really Again, not. You know, they're doing no, that to feed the exactly, baby, Exactly, no one's there?
0: stealing nappies because it feels like a thrill. They're stealing no. nappies because they ain't not got enough money to buy. Yeah, um, which
1: is an awful state of the, for the country to be in, isn't it? It is, yeah. It's really
0: it's, sad. And, you know, it's for the country to be like that in 2019. Oh, it's, it's just...
1: It is, it's dreadful.
0: Um, but as I say, obviously, the, that, a, I mean, a brilliant reaction, obviously a great book, and... I think, especially, um, someone who kind of grew up um, not in that world, but mm. knowing, you know, a stone's I got, throw from yeah, it. Yeah, and I, grew I have up,
1: friends and family who yes, who got and, much more sucked into yeah. that world than I did. And so, you know, it was it was close enough that I knew a lot about it.
0: And did you did that sort of cross your mind as you were writing it? Was there were there ever times that you sort of thought that how easily? you know any a, a certain thing happening or a decision a certain decision could have not necessarily led you down that path but how each, just how each decision could have led to such different directions oh totally
1: i mean that was very much on my mind when i was starting out writing um you know quite a few of the different book plans i had were about that and i think to a certain extent, the killing jar is a bit of a thought experiment. It is a little bit, like, Carrie ann isn't exactly like me, but we do have stuff in common. And I think that to some extent she is who I could imagine myself being in really different family circumstances. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yes. I mean, and that is a key part of the, the book. I think obviously the lack of, of any real family, obviously there's a part and how her role. With regards to a brother, mm, in that sense, mm. and a relationship with a mum and the the, the stepdad, as he is, and like you're saying, I think that's that's such an important important aspect of that that as well. And obviously, yeah. you know, bro- broken homes and and things like that, again are something that i have almost been sneered at yeah in the past yeah
1: no exactly and i think i wanted to bring that to life you know the fact that kerry's mum you know she's not a great mum at all but she's not a she's not a she's a gray area as well she's got yes. all sorts all sorts that have happened to her that have put her in the situation she actually appears in um dead flowers Oh, excellent. she has a bit of a guest appearance like in dead that. flowers as a young woman so yeah yeah which is which i had fun with but yeah she you know it is I think it was important. It's interesting. I look back and I'm really glad I wrote that book. And then I think, I just not know, I didn't know, I didn't really know what I was doing. And I, you know, but lots of the things that I did do with that book were things that I'm really glad that I did.
0: moving back to to Dead Flowers now obviously like you said the, the e-book's out and you've got a book launch event coming up I have yeah uh, next month or yes when people are listening to this it'll probably be this month yes on, on the 9th yeah um, at 5 leaves that's right um, so what's the sort of plan for the event
1: yeah. uh, well, we'll there'll be a bit of a reading um, a few drinks and just you know chance for people to buy the book and get it signed really and I think it starts at 7 o'clock um, yeah, ninth of December at Five
0: Leaves. Excellent. That's, I mean, I think I think you've you've worked quite a lot with obviously Five Leaves because yeah. as, as well as the shop, they've obviously got a publishing.
1: That's right. Yeah, um, I've published some books through them. Yeah. They are. I've, I've published a short story and then a short kind of a short self-contained book. Uh, yeah. they, they're great. Five Leaves, the work. The work that they do you know and, and Ross and he's involved in all sorts of things yeah. so he, obviously he's been involved in local literature festivals but he works with us at De Montfort as well we yeah. do a writing festival at De Montfort every March that Ross is involved with so yeah he he does so much for local writers it's fantastic
0: he does and I mean I was I was talking about on an episode a couple of weeks back about the fact of of the actual the shop five leaves bookstore you Know great shop, but the fact that it when it opened, I think it was the first independent bookstore in the UK in like a decade,
1: really. Yeah, oh, that's you know, really because you know it
0: was, and it was at a time when we were being told the book was dead. It was, yeah, you know, obviously yeah. the bookshop, especially, was dead, but we were, you know, ebooks were on the rise mm-hmm. and books were struggling. Obviously, Amazon was hoovering up the, the yeah. purchasing market, um, so it was, I mean, it was. That was a big move and yeah, I mean it's fantastic yeah. obviously it's multi-award winning and just such a beautiful little
1: It's wonderful shop isn't it, it's really good. a
0: great collection you know. Yeah
1: because it's an eclectic books. collection of yeah. books and it's very much kind of you know themed around stuff that you wouldn't find in, you, you wouldn't find the same books in Waterstones which is why I think it is successful because you know you can go there and get quite niche things and you know you can go there and get pretty much everything by local authors which is really cool.
0: yeah. And obviously, like you said, he's involved in so many things, There's, they have so many uh, great events on there, yeah. you know, be it poetry, book event. I think they do um, a club, book club event there. Yeah.
1: yeah. So,
0: that, so that'll be a, an exciting event and uh, yeah. I think anyone Looking that wants to, to go, it. probably best to go on the, the Five Leaves uh, Facebook page and yeah, get your think... name down because it's, it's quite a small
1: it's quite a small venue, so it them. does get booked up. So you need to email them and book a place, yeah.
0: Excellent. Um, I was sort of when I was looking at sort of the, some of the other things you've done, and uh, one of the other areas you've sort of, sort of done some work in as well has been short films, yes. And uh, you did a couple, I think you, you did one of uh, Maggie's Garden, yeah, a couple of years ago. So, uh, what's what was it that sort of appealed to you about? About short films and is it, is it just the writing side of it or you do you sort of delve into the whole production? and?
1: I did editing? do a little bit of production so I did produce one very very short film but it's not I'm not really a very businessy person I think if I was I probably would have stayed in finance when I was back <laughs> yeah. doing that so no I'm not really a very businessy person and so it's, it is the writing side which I really enjoy and I've been very lucky that I met a couple of people who were you know, quite high profile directors wise and who've managed to get some really good actors involved and do some really interesting things. So the films have turned out brilliant as a result. I'm really happy with what they did with them. Yeah.
0: And is that something you're actively sort of looking at? Going back at you, are you looking at writing more? Short yeah, um,
1: possibly, possibly a feature at some point. Um, there's also kind of at the moment, The Killing Jar has been, Kind of pitched out there as a tv series so there's a, a chance fingers crossed we're waiting to hear back from a bunch of people so i think there's a chance that it will be a series at some point on the tv and i'll be involved in writing that if that happens okay. so you know i do i do like writing for screen i think i i find it much much harder than writing prose actually because i think you have to work so hard to create the scenes and to say everything you want to say whereas prose you can just say it if if yes. all else fails you can just write it down but with screen, you have to, you know, a lot. It's really important to kind of get the right visual feel and to, um, to kind of just get the mood and to kind of I don't know. I just find screen much harder.
0: Yeah, you, you've got like you're saying when you're writing a book, you can literally put out there everything a character's thinking. Yeah, it's going to yeah. mind. While you've got to, to a degree, um, you know, you can't have the character speaking and telling each other everything they're thinking. So you've got to try and present that yeah. on the screen in yeah. their mannerisms body language um just the sort of the way they're acting the environment and things like that, you say which
1: yeah there's a lot of dimensions to yeah. it so it's you know it's not even just about the characters and what they say and do there's other stuff you know that you communicate through the scenes and i think you just i just find i have to do an awful lot of editing and it takes me a long time to write 10 minutes film probably takes me as long as sort of half novel (laughs) it's quite (laughs) involved
0: and again of course then it's not it's not quite it's not the individual project in the same way either no you have to let it go you have to let
1: other people loose on your baby and let them do stuff with it so all the directors that i've worked with have been quite they're, they kind of work in a Shane Meadows sort of way. So okay. they do a lot of improvisation with the actors and, and it's very naturalistic and it works really, really well. But it does mean as a writer, you don't see your actual words on, you know, we don't hear your actual words yeah. being acted out. For me, that I didn't, I didn't mind that at all. I, I thought I would, but I didn't. I found it quite, kind of quite freeing because you kind of think, well, I've just got to kind of indicate what I want to happen and then I can leave it to the director to get this yeah. right. Yeah.
0: And it must be great as well when you see... you you know you see the finished project and you think and you see it coming back you think Yes, that's, yeah, that's uh, exactly how I wanted it to come back. Yeah, sort definitely. Of thing.
1: I think I mean of all of them, and they're all up on my website. But the, my favorite, although it's very violent and quite dark, but my favorite is Bear, which is the one that's got um, it's got Stephen Arnold in it from Coronation Street, and it's got um, he Brent- Ashley? That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got to recognise Yeah, <laughs> it yeah. and he's got. It's got Brendan Coyle. It makes a bit of a guest appearance in that as well. From um, he was Bates in Downton Abbey. So okay, yeah. 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 But, and, and they and it's yeah it's just um it's very dark it's it's yeah but it's just it's just kind of exactly what i imagined it would be and i think ash she's the director has done an amazing job with it so yeah i think that they're all good but that's probably my favorite
0: excellent and does it give you a i guess an opportunity as well to to maybe try different things in terms of styles of writing and Yeah, it does. Uh,
1: You know, you have to write differently for screen, otherwise it doesn't work. So it does. And I think, uh, but it also feeds into your novel writing. So I think, you know, all of that immediacy and character stuff that you do when you're writing for screen, that strengthens your actual prose writing as well. So they do feed off each other a bit.
0: So are you you a writer that, when you're writing, because obviously some writers all methodically plan out every step of the way, and then there's others that will have a sort of outline but will allow the story to, to grow and maybe twist and turn in ways that they don't know until yeah they're writing it so so how how would you describe your method in that well, sense well i
1: mean i do outline um i'm not kind of i can't just like sit down and write and hope it's all going to work out because that doesn't work for me because i just get too scared yeah. <laughs> i get to a point and i think oh my god i don't know what i'm writing next this is really scary so i do have an outline but what i do try to do with that is to try and make it so that i see it as a blueprint so that it, it can change if, if it yeah. if it turns out that something is better and I come up with a better idea, then it can change as much as I want it to. Um, so that it doesn't feel like I'm kind of being restricted by the plan. So that, that really helps. And yeah, I like, I need to have a plan because I need to know that there's a route to the end, but I don't always take that route. I often take a different route.
0: I guess, I know, I guess having that route makes them other routes possible. Yeah, exactly. It, it, it's, it, it must be It's interesting as well. Say when you've got say a, a character, um, a sort of key focal character, um, sort of watching because they obviously develop. You, you'll have an idea for the character. I'm sure you'll plan the character out, and you'll know. But even so, over time, they must develop in ways that even you don't necessarily um, imagine or expect yeah, as the story grows. Absolutely,
1: they do. I think I think that's really true. And I think like you can kind of. I mean, you sit down, and I I can't really do stuff like character profiles until I've written a bit. So I have to have written a few chapters before I can even attempt character profiles. And then even then, you know, you can write a CV for your character or you can answer a questionnaire for them. But actually, you only really find out about them from the writing. So that gives you a sense of, you know, you can decide simple things like what their hair colour is, what their eye colour is, what kind of education they've had. You know, you can decide that stuff. But at the end of the day, they reveal themselves to you as you write. So things change all the time.
0: Yeah, because I guess you're going to have scenarios where you might, you might have known you're going to have a scenario, and at the beginning I had an idea of how that character would react in that scenario. But as you've gone through, you might think actually, where this character actually is now, they wouldn't necessarily they wouldn't act exactly that way that I thought they would. Yeah. You know, they yeah. They would. Um, they might act slightly differently because they've developed. Yeah, in a certain possibly. way, or that you know, situations have developed in ways that have altered because. You know, at the beginning, you've probably your characters, I guess, if you've got an idea of how your character is, but not necessarily how they may change as they react to different scenarios. Absolutely.
1: And I think also, you know, you have to bear in mind that, you know, you can can decide what your plot's going to be right from the beginning. And a lot of people do, and I've done it myself. But if you then make that too rigid... So you're not prepared to kind of flex. Then you're going to push your character through this plot almost against their will. Yeah. Whether it whether it's what they would do or not, and so that's one of the things that often changes the story. You get to a point and you think, "Oh, that seemed really good when I wrote it on the outline, but actually, she wouldn't do that." Yeah. And so then everything changes.
0: Yeah, and again, like you know, we talked earlier about not being pulled out of the story by sort of outlandish science mm. and things like that again mm. you, you don't want to be pulled out of the story because you're reading it and you suddenly think that is really weird for that character that i've just Absolutely. spent 200 <clears throat> pages sort of connecting with that is really weird to the character yeah. i've come to know yeah, yeah. and, and it, i've seen it i've read books where it's happened yeah, like say yeah, that, yeah. you know most people obviously if they've had a book published they're in a you know they they've understood that but it is, again, it's, you want, you're want following that character during that, you know, a great story is only a great story if it's got a great cast. Yeah, I think that's really
1: true. But for me, it's all about the character. So a lot of the planning I do is about characters and character arcs rather than kind of plot points and chapters. I don't really have a chapter yeah. plan. I've done that in the past and it works to an extent. But for me, if I know the characters really well, then the story unfolds.
0: Yeah. Excellent. And with regards to Dead Flowers, have you got um, sort of other ideas of, obviously, uh, without spoiling things again, <laughs> it's, it's so difficult, or, you know, we want, you want people to read this and not yeah yeah. It, yeah. But other ideas of where you might go with this world? Yeah, so definitely.
1: Big... I'm working on a second one. Yeah. So I'm part way through writing that at the moment. And that is still with Sean And um Gosh, what can I say that won't be spoilery? Yeah, um, she's 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 work, she's working with DNA still and she's investigating cases. And a young girl comes into her office and basically there's been a big appeal on the TV the night before for a, a, a girl who went missing like 20 years ago, okay. more or less. And um, there's like a, a kind of, you know, the pictures that they do of children that have gone missing, what they would look like now. And this girl's seen this picture of what, what this little girl? Her name is um, Courtney. What Courtney would look like now, and she's just she's just, it's, it looks like her. Ah. And so she she kind of um, she goes to see Sean and asks her to because she, she knows Sean works with DNA. She's come across her, and she asks her to investigate to find out if she is this little girl.
0: Excellent, excellent. Right. So and that's obviously you you're working on that now. Yes, I think we'll. Well, I don't
1: anything. know how it ends yet, so I can't no, spoil, and spoil it too much. We not want to give any more than, <laughs> no.
0: um, than that away. I think that's certainly um, enough of a tease for it to definitely yeah. grab people's attention. You know, I'm sure there'll be plenty of people eagerly waiting that once they've finished. I hope so. If I read the first yeah. one.
1: Me too. So <laughs> once I've
0: <written> yeah. <laughs> um, sort of moving away as well, you've, um, one of the things you talked about, or... Oh, I know you you did, you've done some bits and pieces with Broadway. Yes. um, And you talked, one of the things you talked about or mentioned before was in some of the interviews you did there. With the people that you you describe as your heroes. Yes,
1: that's right.
0: Um, Now, I'm almost certainly going to get this wrong. (laughs) Um, But one of them was uh, Chuck Palinuk. That's right. I
1: think you say it, Paul and Nick. I'm not exactly sure. Yeah.
0: Yeah. for people that don't know, probably best known for writing Fight Club, yeah, uh, as well as uh, numerous other books. That I've complete, I've read one of them. I can't remember, Choke <sighs> or something like oh, that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. um, and also Irvin Walsh, that's which obviously right. people will know from yeah. uh, Train Spotting, uh, Porno. I think was another yeah, one of that's his. Right. But yeah. um, that must have been pretty incredible
1: it was to. it was fantastic and they were both such nice blokes and um and like yeah were very very kind of um accommodating to my questions even the cheeky questions that i asked <laughs> um so that was nice and and yeah you know it was um it's the kind of thing that you dream of doing when you start out i mean it's not why i want to be a writer why i wanted to be a writer i wanted to be a writer because i love books and because i found that like you know i was driven to write but you know it is one of the big it's one of the big bonuses yeah
0: yeah and obviously they're both massively influential yeah and inspiring but with very unique styles of that's writing that's right, yeah. In yeah in particular.
1: well he. you know he's obviously the dialect stuff which i'm quite into my yeah. first novel was yes. written in dialect um so that's part of you know what i love about work because i think you know there's too much on the page that is this standard bbc english and there's nothing wrong with that but it's not how most people speak and so it's not very representative so i think you know i'm, I'm really keen on getting some dialect on on the page um and then chuck paul and a he's much more kind of minimalist but really kind of really dark but, yeah. but really kind of like sparky and and kind of just full of ideas his books are really full of ideas so yeah
0: Interesting, you mentioned the dialect there because I loved the dialect from The Killing Jar. Yeah. Obviously, and a odd of part of that, obviously, is because it's I've up born and raised in Nottingham, yeah, yeah, growing yeah. up in it. I, same as I love the mention of locations. Yeah. But I'm wondering, have you had, have you spoken to many people from? outside and how what they how did they take to the dialect and well, the yeah internet. most
1: people like it so I mean obviously some people find it difficult to get into it and then I think what a lot of people say is that it's difficult at first and then you get into a rhythm of it but you know from inside and outside the city I've mostly had positive responses to it you know interestingly of all the people one of my brothers was like oh no I struggled with the dialect <laughs> so, <laughs> so that was funny but um you know yeah it's 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 one of those not everyone likes it And one of some of the advice I had along the way was to lose the dialect and write it in more non into more standard English with more Roddy Doyle style, where you change the odd word. But you know, my that wasn't what I wanted to do, so I didn't do it.
0: I think that would have would have took a lot of heart out of the story because I think that was part of one of the reasons it was so um, intense and immediate and relatable because you felt like you were actually in in the world yeah. in Kerri-Ann's world well if they had all been like say standard English it would have been like well it doesn't sound like her telling well, no that doesn't it. sound like her story no. this sounds like someone writing about her story exactly. while it felt like you were in this the way pretty, that you know, I kind world. of saw
1: it was that it was almost as if she had say gone to the rainforest maybe we, we don't know but it was like she had kind of she'd come she'd, she was somewhere that was away from all of that and she was telling someone her story you know it could have been prison equally yep. but you know she was somewhere and she was telling someone her whole story yeah and and that's the way that I saw it and so for that it had to be in her voice yeah
0: yeah and I think and it, I, you know there's like you say there's so many people write in the, the standard style and that's fine and it doesn't take away from the story but this gave that, that st- the like that story the real feel yeah of someone's tale of pretty bleak yeah time and... and I think that it added to the intensity and it added to the for me personally and I'd, again probably a part of that is because you know it made it even more relatable to me because yeah. I felt like I was I knew those streets I felt yeah. like I you know I'm, I was I was reading it on the way to work and things like that and I'm yeah. kind of thinking well I could have walked that way yeah. sort of thing and, and but even outside of that, I think even if you're not from around here it still made it feel like i almost brought it down to street level, yeah, it felt like you were on that those streets with those characters, while I think if you take that dialect out, you'd feel more maybe like you were watching them,
1: yeah, from above, I think that's true I an think outsider's it, point it, of it, view. it it adds a bit of distance, doesn't it if it's yeah. not if it's not really her voice, it adds a bit of dif- distance, and I think you know it was just it, as much as I had that advice, and it wasn't even from one person, it was from a couple of people. I knew in my heart that that was the way I wanted to tell that story. And, you know, it's interesting because I do sometimes get people say, uh, people from, from Broxter and they're like, you know, that's not just Nottingham dialect, that's very specifically Broxter dialect. So they recognise little things yeah. that they've only heard people from Broxter say, which was really interesting.
0: And it is a, it's quite a strange dialect anyway, Nottingham, because oh, yeah. it's kind of a bit from bits of it that, of course, almost Yorkshire, yeah, and yeah, bits yeah. from... We, being where we are, obviously, so centre, it kind of comes from all over and then gets it a twist. It and does. a lot of time you see things about it. It's one of the most difficult to, for, to impersonate sort it of It is. I mean, anyone that's you know, watched a Robin Hood film. <laughs>
1: <know>. <laughs> Whenever I see anything that's set in Nottingham, I'm always like, oh, no, what's the dialect going to be like? <laughs> and then like, when it's good, it's just like, oh, that's brilliant. Because normally it's kind of a couple of junctions up on the motorway, isn't it? And Yes. Yeah, no. But it's interesting what you say about recognizing the streets and the people because that's how I felt when I first read Alan Sillitoe. Yeah. When I was when I was a teenager and I first came across Saturday Night Sunday Morning and that's exactly how I felt and it was just such a welcome relief compared to I mean I lo- always loved books and I didn't mind that I was reading a lot about middle class lives and about London and about other places but it was a real relief to, a, a real kind of feels like coming home doesn't it when you read a book that's yeah. really set where you are where you're from.
0: Yeah and you you can read it and you go oh I'm, you know I knew that character, you know, yeah. not not the exact character, but yeah. I knew, I see, you know, everyone knew the sort of, probably your parents, your dad, whatever was, you know, the guy that went to the pub on a, oh, yeah, at yeah, the end no, of the week. Not so much my dad, but certainly
1: things. uncles. When yeah. I met Arthur Seaton I thought, oh, he could be one of my uncles, <laughs> yes. easily.
0: Was it you thought that's writing is what i want to do
1: it was when i was really young actually i had this really good primary school teacher it was my final year of primary school and um his name was mr dora and he's brilliant and he he just um he was very inspiring and he did a couple of things one thing was that he published some of our project work as little booklets you know so he did it in a way he was like right if your project's good enough i'm going to do this and I'm, make a book with it and I was like oh I want a book I want a book so it made me work really hard and there was partly that um but then also he kind of he he got us to write stories and I actually wrote you know it's very interesting I kind of knew what kind of writer I was even then. and I wrote a, a short a crime short story which he read out to the class and at the end of it um like all my friends were like that's brilliant that's really really good and I really wanted to sort of hear more of it and all of this stuff so I was like yeah that was it then like literally that day you know that that moment i was like right that's it i'm going to be a writer and it took me <laughs> it took me another 20 odd years to actually start doing much about it but yeah <laughs> yeah i decided that day
0: and when you were what were the books that obviously you mentioned um sit on until toe yeah but what what other books were they that were the kind of ones that sort of really inspired your it?
1: Um, well, I did like yeah. Lawrence, you know, particularly The Rainbow, which I really, really liked. Um, and I think, you know, he's a man of his times and he is slightly problematic, but I actually really enjoyed reading him. And I really enjoyed his poetry, which I ended up studying at A-level, which, you know, I think is probably even better than his novels. Um, but then, what else? Um, a real mix of stuff, really. I mean, obviously, I do love crime and I've always read quite a lot in that genre, um, and I like all sorts in that genre but Tana French I mean she's more recent but she's a she's a big one for me Kate Atkinson I've loved all her books and she writes crime she also writes really sort of literary fiction as well a real mixture and the first book that I read of hers was behind the scenes at, at the museum which isn't a crime novel but is it's one of my still to this day one of my favourite books ever it's is fantastic um so yeah a real mix of stuff really and obviously Ervin Welsh um Chuck Paulinick and uh, i'm trying to think what else more recently you know absolutely uh, yeah loads of stuff really eclectic a real mix yeah john mcgregor there we go Logan oh yeah, yeah i love his writing it's so rich and just you know, it's very different from what i do but yeah. um you know there's his first novel especially i just absolutely fell in love with that when i read it i thought it was amazing so i think
0: was what you, you, you want to book of the year or last year didn't he I think
1: did he yeah um, I mean I loved Reservoir yeah for I think really that was what it was for yeah you know that that was fantastic as well
0: yeah there's a there's a, there's a few sort of crime novelists um in there from around here isn't yeah there, there is a, yeah yeah. Uh, John Harvey I think yes right. yes and uh is it Stephen
1: Booth
0: Stephen Booth I mean, yeah yeah um I, I mean I think Nottingham again is thanks Obviously, there's with the UNESCO City of Literature and things, we, it's having a little bit of a resurgence, literary wise. Obviously, yeah. not just writing, uh, sorry, not just books, but also we have the Poetry Festival. Yeah, um, you know, Henry Normal yes. is, is involved in that, doing the poetry events, and he's gone back into poetry, having been doing.
1: You know, day, I only day. found out about him like literally a couple of years ago and i didn't even i mean we used to watch the royal family all the time at home and you know i loved it absolutely loved it and it was like you know almost felt like he got a camera into Mm. you know homes that i knew and it was it was like when i found out that he actually lived in bilborough because that was where we moved to we lived in bilborough for quite a few years so exactly the same estate that I had lived on. I was just like, oh, that all makes sense now. Yeah. I couldn't believe it though. I was I couldn't believe I didn't know before. It was amazing, yeah. yeah.
0: He was he was the very first um guest we had. Oh was he? Yeah. Oh, yeah, brilliant. And uh, but like I say, that he's sort of started in poetry. Weirdly I was listening to an interview with Steve Coogan today oh, yeah. and he talked about how they met oh, on the poetry right. scene in Manchester. Right, right. And or, well, Coogan was obviously doing the comedy, but yeah, yeah. And he's say so, uh, Henry's obviously gone back, been involved in the poetry festival. We've got sort of youth, we have the young poet laureate mm-hmm. and things like that. And oh yeah, yeah. It, and uh, I say with Five Leaves, doing really well, winning, you know, I think it's, it's Midlands Bookstore of the Year again. And last year it was they won the national UK Bookstore. Yeah. It feels like obviously we, you know, we've had um, right obviously. People getting, but it feels like there's a, a real sort of celebration and a resurgence. Yeah, there's resurgence, a, there's a so.
1: momentum. I think, you know, uh, the poet laureate Georgina, I, I taught yes, Georgina yeah. at Nottingham Did University. Did you? Yeah, yeah. I mean, she's brilliant. Yeah, she's, she's lovely and she's brilliant. very good. I think um, there is there is a real kind of momentum in the city, and I think that's partly because people have decided that there's going to be, and there was, you know, the writer's studio, there's the UNESCO yeah. thing, there's a lot going on, and, you know, the, the universities help, I think, because. Um, you know, both universities have got healthy creative writing departments and have invested in that. And, you know, I think it's a shame Nottingham University used to have two sides to the creative writing. The the one that I ran that was creative and professional writing, and unfortunately they decided to close that down, which was a big shame, but you know, it was that this, yeah, bringing young people to the city to do creative writing, I think has made a big difference.
0: Yeah. And I mean, um the city of literature they they did a thing didn't they earlier this year with i think sort of the the where they left books yes yeah. on the trams and yeah. in various venues and i i think one of the things as well with them is is the the wish to take it outside of just the city center as well because yeah, yeah, obviously and um, so important as well at a time when we're seeing libraries um, oh, closed, closed. I all mean, kind of
1: at minimal hours it, aren't they
0: nottingham feels like it's bought that trend a little bit yeah
1: um
0: i know central i think that's i don't know what's happening with that they were talking about putting in the new I think broad market they are planning
1: things, to do aren't something they? aren't they? they i mean i know they've closed down the main site yeah. which is such a shame i used to you know, when I lived in Stenton, I used to live in Central Library. <laughs> yeah, I used to be there all the time, you know, using the computers, eating in the cafe. Yeah. It, it was like a little community centre yeah, and it's a, it's a real shame.
0: Going there a lot when I worked in the city. Yeah, I mean And yeah. I live out, um, Chilwalt Way. Right. And Beeston, they've had that, their library's been all you know refurbed and yeah, done up and it's yeah. lovely there now They've got a, l- a really nice bit at the back which is dedicated to local
1: oh that's good
0: literature i mean yeah. i used to actually use that the library for the recordings before we right moved here mainly because it's set more centralized yeah, it's a bit yeah, and yeah. available in the evening but yeah but it so it does feel to a degree like nottingham i don't i'm not aware of a large number of libraries in Nottingham shutting down in a sense I
1: think you know I don't I don't really have a clear understanding of the national picture but I, I get the sense that some councils have had to deal with bigger cuts than we have and I think we've been relatively lucky and we have had new libraries opening I mean you know there's there's relatively new one up in workshop which is amazing there's one just opened up down the road from where i used to live um australia library they've, yeah. they've revamped that and you know the new building's lovely and i think i think we i think we have been really really lucky i mean we have suffered a bit in terms of that the hours that libraries are open yes, for yeah, and you I have to that's... plan your visit a bit more than you used to you didn't you can't just turn up but you know we are lucky that we've still got some. We've still got really quite a decent service,
0: and we've got Bromley yes, as well. Yeah, of course. Well, yeah, lovely, which I think which just had Yeah. Don't it. So yeah. Um, so obviously you've, you've, you're incredibly busy at the moment. So <laughs> is it difficult to still try and find time yourself to to relax and read a book?
1: It is at the moment, because obviously the beginning of the year from the point of view of working at a university or the beginning of our academic year is particularly busy. So I've had a few months where I say I've struggled, but I do... I mean, it's the last thing that I do at night every single night is read. And um, I whenever I, I'm also into Audible, Audible helps a lot. So I listen to audio books when I can't actually find the time to sit down and read. So whenever I drive anywhere, I've got headphones, wherever I walk anywhere, there's always a book going. Yeah. So that helps.
0: Yeah, I've ju- I mean, I don't until recently, I don't think I'd only ever listen to one, really listen to one book on all. Audio and that was Brian Blessed's Oh yeah, yeah, which I did purely because I thought, well, if you're gonna hear about Brian Blessed, it has to be from his Bump mouth. Him. Yeah, otherwise <laughs> <laughs> it just doesn't but work, does it? I have sort of because I used to read a lot on my commute. Yeah. But then I, because I now cycle. Yeah. I so can't, can't do. really do that. And so I have. I mean, I'm obviously, unsurprisingly, I'm, I'm a big podcast yeah, listener, yeah. and I do yeah. like um, internet uh, interview style yeah podcasts, but i have started listening to some audio books it's interesting um,
1: because i'm not a massive reader of non-fiction but i like non-fiction podcasts yeah very much you know it's kind of changed my taste in a way and it's stuff that i probably wouldn't have picked up as a book that i've take that i've had on audio yeah yeah
0: but yeah the, the issue i problem i have with audio books is because i'm listening to them while i'm out, out and about i can mm-hmm. I've, I'll sometimes find that I can get I'm not obviously and you're not in them in the same way as if you're hold, no, holding that book I so I'll suddenly true. I'll be like traveling home and they'll say something and I'll be like oh what, what was just happening I zoned out yeah, yeah, yeah I've, I think I've yeah. just missed 15 I mean
1: I'm oh you know and because you you kind of when you're listening to an audio book your eyes are free and if you're a bit of a reader you can find yourself picking up something and reading it yeah. while you've got your audiobook playing and then yeah. losing track of the audio completely can't you i've yeah. done that yeah I, one of the
0: reasons i stopped using ebooks yeah. so much was because i had it on my phone yeah the kindle app yeah. but the trouble is is that everything else is also on my phone yeah so including, it's, it's, it's say, all
1: popping up facebook all the, and things yeah. and, and
0: like you say your phone is just full of notifications, yeah. so I'll be reading a notification. I'll just check that. Yeah. Fifteen minutes later, I'm going back to the book, and it's like,
1: exactly. What? I
0: can't remember what was that. So I do
1: have, I do have like a, a an e-book reader, so I, I can I do read. I don't. I I still really like my books, yeah. my proper books, but sometimes it's useful because it's useful for commuting. It's useful for going on holiday. Yeah. You know, it's it's useful. I I just read both, but there are some books that I definitely will always order in. In, in hardback actually certain types certain types i'll order in hardback and you know there's some that i just want i want the actual real copies yeah yeah
0: some you just like to look at see on be able to see on your bookshelf i yeah, know there's a little yeah. bit of there's a little bit of showing off about that in a oh, sense I, you've but, got to have
1: a bookshelf though, yeah. haven't you because you you know it just gives you something to just randomly it starts raining one afternoon and you're stuck in the house and you're thinking what should i do and it, it, there's loads to do i find
0: that <laughs> because I've got such at the minute I've got, got a pile to do to read lists.
1: yeah yeah
0: Massive. and it I have to be careful because sometimes I'll see like a book that I want to get onto next and it can almost take away yeah, from yeah. the one you're reading because you're thinking I just need to get in mean, I'm reading at the minute um the the latest of Philip Pullman's oh yeah yeah book, um from the his dark material yeah it's from the new trilogy, which I can't read on the commute because it's about this yeah but but i've got it's because i'm i'm a terrible i'm not gonna say terrible i'm actually quite happy about it but i i I love it i love going to like the oxfam book shop yeah yeah. and i'll just come out with piles of books and even though i'll go in i go but i'm not gonna buy anything because i've already got (laughs) yeah enough books to last me the rest of the year and then i'll come out with like a one of those like back for life
1: <laughs> same here yeah, yeah. exactly the same I'm awful you can't let me loose in a bookshop yeah. or the stationers <laughs> <It's> just... <laughs> yeah yeah but you know I've got a really big to be read pal I think for me with the e-readers that can be a bit of a problem in that I've got a lot of stuff on my I've got kindle and I've got a lot of stuff on it and when I kind of I sometimes pick it up to read and then I think oh what's in my library mm. and then I find that I've abandoned one book not deliberately, and started reading something else, and I'm not getting to the end of anything, so that, that can be a yeah. In actual fact, if you've got one paper book that you take with you on your commute, you're going to read it, aren't yeah. You? You yeah, know? it
0: is. You it's it's ups and downs, like I said, I mean, when you're going on holiday, it can be great to have yeah, a new reader yeah. because you can take enough books for the for the, whole for the journey and the holiday and without having take, to take yeah, an extra exactly, suitcase, exactly. Um, but like you say, but then there are other times, and on, again, you know, if you're traveling on a on public transport. Uh, if, you know, I used to use the tram a lot, yeah. and they get busy. And to to be able to stand there and try and a, read a book,
1: is yeah, it's hard.
0: not you know, almost impossible. While it's a lot easier if you've just got a if small you got device. Phone. Yeah. So you've um, well, I'll sort of wrap things up okay. fairly soon. Um, but you mentioned, as you say, obviously we mentioned a little bit about what you're working on at the minute. Yeah. The, the second second book. The sequel to Dead Flowers, yeah, I guess. Yeah. And uh, is there any other sort of projects on the go at the moment, or is it all focused on that?
1: It's pretty much focused on that at the moment. I have I have loads of ideas of things that I want to write. Um, Sean books. Sean Love is the character in Dead Flowers. Some more for her, but also stuff outside of that. Um, and and then the the big thing, if it comes off and if we get commissioned, is the TV series for the Killing Jars. So that's I'm keeping my fingers well and truly crossed and my toes. For, for that one because i'd love to write that
0: that's gonna be interesting that would i think i feel that would be a good time for that as well yeah i think because time is right i think i'd say perhaps shane meadow's work changed the attitude to that kind of program had it been done if something like the killing job prior to shane Meadows to this is england yeah i think would have not necessarily been treated in not right, in the right way yeah, because I think that's
1: true I think you know certainly when i first started to put it out as a treatment which was before this is england um yeah it was it was an odd one because i got a lot of people saying oh no it wouldn't be it wouldn't work for tv and i think attitudes have changed about what works for tv and what's appropriate and allowable on tv programmes and i think shane does have has had a lot to do with yeah that. i think yeah.
0: and obviously the 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 way telly's changed as well obviously in terms of the way we consume television yeah the streaming the, what the you know the binging and things like yeah. that that we that and and in just the sort of we've it's become more of a case now as well the way you can have a um a sort of series around an ongoing storyline yeah while, if you go back even shows I loved in the night is Almost all of them, while they may have had a sort of an arc towards a finale, mm. they were still generally could be watched as, say, The X Files. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Most of the time they could be watched as, as a self contained yeah, episode. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. While now, you know, largely, I guess largely thanks to things like um, Sopranos. Yeah. And Sopranos is one of and, the early ones. Wasn't like it? Yeah. yeah. We do have this now that we can have sort of. a something where it's a self-contained story over a a number or a a short number of episodes you know even this year we see and we're saying we're seeing things like good omens and um his dark materials and things like that becoming adapted in that way rather than so i think that's and and i think people are just i think you can tell that story in a more realistic way now rather than having to have what probably would have happened where you would have had to have had a baddie a proper, yeah, yeah. easy, obvious lot like, yeah. and as you say, you know all the characters in the Killing are grey. Yeah, they are.
1: You know, they're, yeah. they're
0: products of their decisions and the environment, but they aren't You know, they're not inherently just evil or no, good. That's
1: right. Yeah, yeah.
0: So, be, be definitely be keeping our yeah fingers crossed. I think, it's like I think <laughs> yeah, you know,
1: it's, it'd be very exciting if it does come to fruition. But obviously, these things are. Difficult and take a long time to, yes, to happen, but fingers crossed. Yeah. And that,
0: and obviously, then you'll have the interesting thing, which we kind of touched on earlier. While well, as you say, you'd be involved in the writing of that. Yeah. But again, there'll be a point where you have to hand that baby over Definitely. to a degree, and you've yeah. got obviously then there's, you know, the whole essence of how how it would be portrayed yeah. by actors. By.
1: But I have a story about this is England. So when I was working at the Broadway. Um, I got an email saying, will you print this script for for Shane? And it was This Is England. So (laughs) I printed it out and I remember taking it down um, because I kind of worked in the office upstairs. I'm taking it down, desperately trying to read as much of it as I could because it was so good (laughs) before I had to hand it over.
0: That was, I mean, that was such a great movie, wasn't it? Oh, fantastic. Again, it was another one of those as well where, um, you know, knowing the area, I mean, the, the little shop from the beginning of the show. Where oh, they go yeah, in, that yeah. was next to my school.
1: Oh, was it? Amazing, so, um, yeah. So
0: we used to go in that because my friend's grandma lived behind it and we used to leave right. our bikes at her house. So we used <laughs> to go and just little but even so, it was so, like, unlike anything. Yeah. Which I guess, you know, Shane's stuff, obviously, before that, 24-7. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. And then
0: I, I think they've announced another series, haven't they, as well? Now. Oh, have they? Uh, really? Was it ninety? Ninety-two, I think. Oh, oh, cool! um, It's gonna be interesting that one as well because obviously, problem you've got there is that the cast people have grown up a lot faster than the gaps between the series, (laughs) which is something you see in a lot of these shows because a lot of these shows, you know, and movies, series where the characters are supposed to be, it's supposed to be carrying straight on from the previous one, but the characters are two years old. Yeah. So excellent. So yeah, that obviously that's fairly exciting yeah um, yeah um and the book launch will be
1: yeah I'm looking forward to that very much
0: getting out of there so excellent well i'll uh let you get back to your thank evening you. Well, thank, thank you very you much for having me it's been a really nice
1: evening so
0: thank you very much for joining us you're very welcome So, there you go. Thank you very much to Nicola Monaghan for joining us and thank you all for listening. Hopefully, you enjoyed that as much as we enjoyed recording it. Uh, if you want to know more about what Nicola's up to, you can find her website at nicolamonaghan.com and you can follow her on Twitter at Nicola Novelist. As we mentioned in the episode, she's got a book launch event for her latest novel, Dead Flowers. That's taking place at Five Leaves Bookshop in Nottingham City Centre on Monday the 9th of December. So this coming Monday from 7 till 8.30pm. So if you head over to fiveleavesbookshop.co.uk and check out the events page on there, you can find out more about that and put your name down. Uh, That's going to be a brilliant event. Probably going to fill up so I'd get over to it as quick as you can. As ever, a thanks goes out to Sobar on Friar Lane for hosting the podcast and allowing us to record there. Uh, We massively recommend you check out Sobar. Brilliant food and drinks and obviously also supporting the work of substance abuse recovery recovery charity Double Impact. So check them out if you're in Nottingham. They're on Friar Lane. Uh, Well worth checking out. That's Cafe Sobar. Uh, Next week, as you are, I'm sure, fully aware, we are fast approaching a general election. It's actually next Thursday, the 12th of December. And you may be wondering what's going on. It's a snap election. It's apparently to break the bedlock, deadlock for Brexit. And it has quite frankly been shambolic in every sense of the word. But in order to make a bit more sense of it and to see what might be coming next, I sat down with uh, former Evolve Politics editor Matt Turner, to have a chat about uh, about the election, what's happening, all things Brexit and much, much more. Uh, that was a great chat. I'm sure you're going to really enjoy it. Um, I will point out the fact that Matt you know, is a, uh, a Labour supporter, a Jeremy Corbyn supporter, uh, as am I. So that gives you a feel of the discussion maybe if you want to decide whether or not to listen. Uh, in the meantime... If you want to check out any of our other podcasts, you can do so at ngdigital.podbean.com or on iTunes, Podcast Addict or wherever you get your podcasts. And as always, you can follow us on Twitter at ngdigitaluk or find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash ngdigital. So that's all for this week. We'll be back next week with Matt Turner to have a chat about the upcoming general election. There's an other couple of shows in the pipeline there's maybe one special show that we're going to be releasing uh, in the next week or so if we can get that sorted keep your eyes out on all our social media for news on that in the meantime thanks again for listening and we will see you soon